Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of the world's greatest boxing podcast, I Like Boxing, with Joe and Joel. I'm Joseph Caulfield, joined as always by the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, the boxing scholar himself, Joel Ilié. Joel, how are you? I'm good, mate. I'm feeling festive. How are you, Joe? I'm good. I'm gl- I'm looking forward to the new year, mate. I'm full of resolutions. I'm ready to go. I see one of your resolutions isn't not to lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, I'm I'm really looking forward to the year ahead. I have a feeling it's uh, it's going to be my year, mate. Good man. Same yeah. here. Same here. You feel positive? Yeah, you feel ready? I feel positive for you, mate. I feel yeah. like it's going to be your year. Good, yeah. good. I feel positive for you as well, mate. Excellent, it's going to be fun. It's brilliant. It's going to be great. <laughs> Fucking hell, it's going to be a cracking year. Exactly, exactly. How was your Christmas? It was nice. Yeah, yeah. Just standard. Same standard, old, mate. Yeah. Same old. Nothing interesting there, man. Fair enough. Nothing to see here. How about yours, Joe? It was good. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, same old. I did meet up with Callum for a drink the other day, as you, yeah. I, I heard. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you were hungover. <laughs> but no, it was nice. And uh, right, let's jump into the pod. We're going to review the Day of Reckoning, uh, 23rd of December card. Seems like donkeys years ago. It certainly was a year ago now. It's 2024. We had some very, very good fights and some certainly some interesting outcomes. Let's jump in there with perhaps the the big shock of the night, Deontay Wilder losing very convincingly to Joseph Parker on points. I think it was more or less a shutout on that one. Yeah, Wilder, I mean, I, think, I guess the, the, the question is, we, we all know that it was a very convincing victory. Wilder looked terrible. Joe Parker looked good. But, you know, I, I guess the key question to ask, Joe, I mean, is Wilder a shot fighter now? You would think so, Joe, yeah. But lately, been getting so many of these wrong where these guys seem to be coming up with sort of career-saving performances yeah. after I've already written them off that I'm I'm doubtful. But yes, if our eyes are to be believed, yeah. what we saw then at the weekend or last weekend was the, the end of Deontay Wilder. He just looked completely shot. Yeah, Couldn't pull the trigger. It was like the absolute archetypal could not pull the trigger. Yeah, no, I t- totally agree. It was funny. I was looking back on the most recent edition of Boxing News there, last one before the year, and it said on the front cover, I'm, I'm looking at it now, what do we want for Christmas, AJ versus Deontay Wilder? Well, scrap that one because that one ain't happening now. Yeah, but this is another thing with that card there. It's another Saudi mess up as far as I'm concerned. It's the second time in a few weeks that they've sabotaged a far bigger event with the warm-up event. Yes. You know, because both with the Fury and Garnu fight, which had totally messed up the Fury Sick fight, yeah. has just made it a smaller event, even though it's still going ahead. And obviously now Wilder against AJ is not going to happen. Yeah. Um, and they've just they've just ruined it with needless warm-ups. Neither of them needed that warm-up. Yeah. That that should have been their fight. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Yeah, I agree. I uh I thought uh, jo- Joseph Parker boxed brilliantly. He had no fear and I'm guessing that, you know, Andy Lee sort of probably called it right and just said, look, all the evidence in it from Deontay Wilder's fight suggests he's massively on the decline, can barely win a round. As long as you don't get caught by the right hand, you'll win it comfortably. And uh, yeah, he boxed, uh, boxed a really good game plan. I think Deontay Wilder should retire now. I think he's finished. I think his head's probably not in boxing now either. When you've done well money-wise, and you've racked up the punishment that he has, certainly over the last uh, three or four years, it's time to get out. 
because otherwise he will accrue too much damage and well, then we damage goods. Thing is with Deontay is that he's clearly um, he's he's uh, clearly not focused on boxing anymore. He talked constantly of what he's got going on outside the ring. Yeah. He's going off doing psychedelics in South America. <laughs> he mentioned that in the last just <laughs> clearly not focused on on the game now. Yeah, and and the whole psychedelics thing was a thing, mate. That does not leave you ready to fight. You yeah, know, that's yeah. I've I just as soon as I heard that he'd gone off to do that, people do that whole thing as like a real life altering sort of event. That's yeah. what they do. What's sort it of called train. again? Ayahuasca. Ayahuasca. Ayahuasca, I think it is. <laughs> I was wrong, it's not. It isn't even, I said before, it's like some root of a plant. It's not. It's like it's like toad poison. Yeah, like they literally take it out of a toad. He said he's going to do some more as well. No, people who like that stuff really like that stuff, mate, and they swear by it. Do you know what I mean? Jesus. But it ain't what you want as a fighter. Yeah. Um, but where you brought up a second ago, Joseph Parker there, something I wanted to say about that is that I thought this was one of those really rare instances where Parker's kind of changed how his whole career is going to be viewed yeah. in one fight. In one fight, yeah. Like one fight, because he, he is now going to go down as basically an elite heavyweight of this era yeah. after beating Wilder like that. So yeah. just does teach you, you know, keep your keep your nose in the game, just yeah. keep there and keep plugging away. He, he always took the big fights, Parker. Yeah. You know, he'd yeah. always take those fights and it's now paid off for him. Yeah. I mean, it always has paid off for him in a way. He's been very well paid in his career. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, this is his his reputation is now on a different level to what it has been throughout his career. Totally. I guess another question we can throw out there, it's not really a question, it's more a statement of fact. I mean, the fight sort of proves that if you're inactive uh, and you, whereas, you know, you've got someone like Parker who's been very active, I think it's his fourth fight this year or mm. last year, it bears dividends in the end, let's be honest. Yeah, um, there was only one fighter who was sharp in that ring. Yeah. Yeah. Right, let's jump on to the uh, Anthony Joshua Otto Wallin fight. This one uh, you got very badly wrong. <laughs> I got very I'll, very very much right. <laughs> I'll put my hands up there. <laughs> Mind you, I did I did get another one on this uh, list uh, wrong earlier, but well, you can get your revenge on me later. AJ absolutely just steamrolled Wallin in that fight. He looked well, he looked sensational. I mean, he looked like the old version of AJ. And I had a feeling we might see this. I don't really know what I was basing that on, but I was pretty confident that he would wipe the floor. Well, you with him thought in, this in fight. the lead up, you thought that he had a bit of that eye of the tiger back. Yeah, but I you mean, thought he looked a little bit on edge, a little bit. Yeah, but yeah. you thought you read that as focus, whereas I read that as sort of on edge and nervous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I also think he. I mean, he does have the the amateur history, where I think as an amateur, he pretty much wiped the floor with Wallen in there when they fought as amateurs as well. So I suspect that probably gave him a bit of a psychological edge going into it. But yeah, he, uh, Wallen, I think, was uh, pulled out by his corner. Was it the end of the fourth? Start of the f- end of the fourth uh, or end, end of the, of the fifth? fifth. It yeah. was end of the fifth. AJ looked brilliant and he had Wallen in all sorts of trouble, more or less from second, third round, I think. Uh, he was a hurt fighter and he was, you know, waiting to go more or less at any moment. Uh, any any thoughts on, on this one? Yeah, well, I thought he just looked comfortable. Yeah. Um, he followed the game plan correctly. He had a good sort of balance between aggression and you know, defence and mm. game plan. He, he he was mindful of what was coming back at him, but he was trying to damage Wallin from the start of the fight, mm. which we haven't seen from him for quite a long time. Yeah. No, I just thought he, he looked good. The link-up with Ben Davison 
looks like, I thought it looked like the link-up with Ben Davison was going really well. But after the fight, when I've been reading stuff from Josh AJ after the fight, he's actually just giving all the credit still to Derek James. Oh, really? Yeah, so I think that he's he looks like, he sounds like he's going to go back to James. But you don't know with AJ because... You know, sometimes he'll just say something because it's the opposite of what other people are saying. Mm. So where everyone's giving Ben Davison a lot of credit, he's just now coming out going, oh, no, you know, it's all Derek James. It's just typical uh, AJ. Interesting. I, I, I haven't caught wind of that. I know he was very complimentary towards Ben Davison in the aftermath of the fight, and, and I thought that that might signify actually the end of the Derek James partnership. I mean, mm. you know, you've just been essentially been trained exclusively by Ben Davison for this fight. You've pulled out your best performance in years. Seems a no-brainer, really, to maybe say, okay, I'm just going to stick with this now. 100%. And, and let's be honest, I mean, Ben Davison, he is a quality coach. I mean, he is really, he's taken a lot of fighters and just, you know, taken them up another level or two. Yeah, um, what he does is he takes developed fighters and he just makes them better. Yeah. And he also just, he's, he, he seems to be, him and Lee Wiley come up with these game plans for mm. the fights and, and the fighters believe in them. Yeah. And that's the thing, they've got a thing going on at that gym at the moment where the fighters that go in there just fully buy into it all. Yeah. And that's with any kind of management, that's 99% of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I thought AJ's body work as well in the, the Wallen fight was excellent. He just was uh, straight shots to the to the stomach and, uh, yeah, Wallen clearly didn't like it. In Great. the, the build-up, sorry, Joe, just quickly there, in the yeah. build-up, I did say on, on the last pod that <laughs> I thought that coming after the Wilder fight might be really dangerous for AJ because um, he, he could feel that he has to impress if Wilder gets like a, a big knockout oh, yes, and that sort yeah. of thing. And it was a real sort of, yeah, thought of mine in the lead up. And I've got to say, watching it, I thought, I did think that there's a real possibility there that that just lifted all the pressure off his shoulders yeah. when Wilder lost that. Yeah. And he could go in there and and just perform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just looked, yeah, it just looked like an AJ without pressure. Looked good. good. Yeah, no, was, I mean... That's probably one of the rare observations you got right. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly <laughs> none, none of the rest of it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's jump to the to the next fight, which was uh, Daniel Dubois against Jarrell Miller. This is a fight I actually thought Miller would probably would win. Me very much doubting Daniel Dubois' mental toughness, but I got this one wrong. Daniel Dubois stopped uh, Miller in the tenth and final round. The referee had seen enough. I think by that point, Jarrell Miller had become a human punch bag. Joel, yeah. talk us through Daniel's performance and your thoughts on that. Well, I think from the beginning, Daniel showed the activity and movement that he showed early on in his career. He throws a lot of punches for a big man. Mm. And that makes him dif- a difficult heavyweight to beat. Yeah, um, I thought that he used the jab off the bat very well. He didn't let Miller... Well, Miller was constantly getting in close and he made him pay for that every time. He didn't let Miller get his feet close without mm. paying for it. Yeah, He was popping the jabs, right hands off his head for the first few rounds. After that, it was it was everything in the book. I mean, that was the thing. Dubois showed great variety mm. throughout the fight. Um, I felt it was like basically the feel-good story of the card, really, yeah. um, this one, because yeah. of the build-up <laughs> and how Miller had just bullied him in the build-up, yeah. as, as he would do. It was real schoolboy stuff, but it was entertaining. You can't deny it. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Dubois does his whole... <laughs> you're the daddy I'm your daddy I'm going to be your mummy type stuff didn't really know what he was saying but and great what about the uh, you know where this is Africa <laughs> oh my god 
<laughs> no, I can't believe more hasn't been made of this. It's so um, funny, isn't it? Oh, this was so for anyone that hasn't watched it, you've got to watch where the lambs, full press this conference. This is Africa where lambs get slaughtered. Oh my god, they said it just standing there in Asia. <laughs> and the room fell silent. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he didn't seem to notice. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant. But that, that was comedy gold. It really was, was comedy gold, man. Yeah. But yeah, no, with Miller though, man, I mean, he's, you can't talk like that in the build-up of going that ring and just fight like that. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, he put in, in all the effort in the world. He did that try. That he could do. Yeah, but he clearly hadn't shape. prepared for the fight. Yeah. It's shameful going in the ring. And that way it was £330. Yeah. All I can say for Miller is that he showed a really great chin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, I mean, there'll be lots of people in boxing who won't be uh, displeased at seeing uh, a pedhead get his uh, comeuppance. No, I don't think so. Another thing about that, though, a lot in boxing since have gone about the middle rounds being really difficult for Dubois. You go back and watch them. They were not difficult. I think this was everyone's nervousness of the kicking situation. In, yeah, yeah, sort yeah. of kicking in, going, because Miller threw a couple of punches in those rounds, thinking, oh, no, Daniel's going to fall apart. Yeah. But actually, you watch it back, he never showed any indication of falling apart at all. I think that was our nervousness. Yeah going in and um, he didn't have a difficult middle rounds so it didn't yeah. happen yeah. Uh, if you go back and watch that fight it just did not happen yeah where do you think uh, Dubois goes from here do you think uh, Frank Warren's going to line him up with next well I think the rematch with Joe Joyce makes sense I mean that that would be a good that, that would be in terms of his, his record you'd probably have to heavily favour Dubois now and if they did no rematch. I, I wouldn't heavily favour Dubois at all but I think that that would be a Great fight. I, I personally would favour Joyce. You, you don't think Joyce is a shot fighter now off the back of the Zhang performances? No, that's with, my worry against with him. one He's a shot fighter. It's against one fighter. I just think sometimes someone's got your number, mm. and I think that Zhang is just a bit he's better than Joyce. He has his number, yeah, but it doesn't mean that a fighter that Joyce beat several years ago is now yeah. better than him. I don't think that. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, that probably is the fight to make. I think that would be a good fight. Next fight, let's talk about uh, the long-awaited return of Dimitri Bivol. Uh, well, not like heavyweight king, you've always got Arthur Betabiev there, but consensus number one or number two in that division. Against Lyndon Arthur, this was a fight which we both thought Bivol would completely dominate, and he did. And I have to say, I thought it was a bit of a disappointing performance from Lyndon Arthur. He was clearly outclassed. But I don't think at any point he showed any real desire to, to 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 win the fight. I mean, you could flip it on its head and say, well, surely Dimitri Bivol was the disappointing fighter in that fight. He didn't wasn't able to get Lyndon Arthur out of there. He did have Lyndon Arthur down, I think, was it in the tenth round, but just couldn't put him away. Anyway, we we move on. Any thoughts on this one, Joe? It was a bit of a I this was the flattest fighter thing of the card. It was. I was actually disappointed in both fighters because I felt that Bivol showed why he's never going to be a star mm. during during the fight. Mm. He, he didn't put his foot on the gas. Lyndon Arthur was there for the taking yeah, all yeah. night long. Yeah, and, and and he just didn't try to stop him. Mm. I don't think really at any at any point. It doesn't punch that hard. No, he doesn't. I, and yeah. he will flurry. But you know, they kept mentioning the commentary. You know, shades of Joe Kazagi, all of that stuff. And I could see what they meant in the it would flurry, but Kazagi would take a step back and then he would flurry again. Mm. Whereas Bivol, he'll flurry he'll maybe once or twice around, mm. and the rest of the round is basically completely inactive. And I don't find it very entertaining to watch. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, but I mean, it is he is highly effective at what he does, and he is a, he is an excellent te- technician at that weight. 
No more to say on that one. Right, let's talk about another one of the big upsets on this uh, card. Agate Cabello against uh, Makhmadov. Makhmadov, the mean-looking, scary man, probably the scariest-looking man in heavyweight boxing since Nikolai Valuev. He was uh, heavily favoured to continue his streak, but uh, Cabello had other ideas and I think put him down three times en route to a fourth-round TKO. Body shots did the deal in that one. What did you think of this one? And also, I mean, is was Makhmadov really never much to begin with? People seem to be what's the what's the phrase? The hype train. They were jumping on the hype train with this fella. I mean, he looked pretty terrible once he stepped up in opposition. Yes, Makhmadov was never anything to begin with. You watch him in this fight; the guy had zero skill. He was just a big lump. Um, there to be hit and he was in with a very skilled talented heavyweight in Ajit Kabayel who's been around the scene now for years that is a bit odd that he didn't really get a look in before the fight because he has the pedigree between the two he's got a serious pedigree this man he beat Derek Chisora back in 2017 for God's sake yeah and Derek Chisora was still you know relatively okay yeah and he you know (laughs) look he's clearly Kabayel is is, as I say just a good good boxer Mm. uh, who, who fights he's very comfortable off of the back foot yeah. and so against this type of guy as well he was always going to be I guess looking back he was always going to cause Makhmadov a lot of problems yeah. um, and Makhmadov wasn't in it from the first sort of bell yeah. uh, Kabiel was, was just uh, boxed his ears off the yeah. first two rounds and then in the third round sort of put put his foot on the gas and yeah. decided he was there for the taking yeah. and he had him out of there within a few minutes yeah, yeah it was excellent performance by Kabiel I mean it was kind of his second sort of his second sort of coming out to the sort of heavyweight division, so it's sort of the second one now, and, and you hope that he can really kick off on. He's two-time European champion, so I hope he can kick on and and sort of start challenging on the world scene. What about Caballel against uh, Dubois, or maybe even against Parker? Those are good fights. Keep the sort of the winners in the card. You know, and, and apparently, well, against each other. Apparently, that is the sort of thing that the Saudis want to do yeah. with it. They're looking to absolutely make you know match winners up with winners. So yeah, I mean, Kabir, any of those heavyweights that won the other day against any of them, good mm. fights. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, fair play to uh, Cabello and. Uh, Interesting to see what happens with him as we move forward. Right, let's uh, jump forward to the Kinahan of the week. And Joel, who have you gone for with this one? I have gone for the entire British boxing press um, who attended the Saudi event. Reason being is that when these fights started being made in Saudi, all of these... um, all of these journalists said that they were going to go out there and, you know, when they were covering these events, that they would also bring up atrocities and problems in the country all that. And that's just all gone out the window. Sports washing is very effective. Yeah. And we're really seeing this now in the boxing. I mean, to a man, the British journalists out there, both TV and in print, just act weird about Saudi. Yeah. Now, what I mean by that is you don't ever get them going anywhere else in the world and going, <laughs> oh, the people around here are wonderful. Yeah. Uh, what a fantastic country. Don't this country as a whole know how to put events on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell you what, when this country wants something, they go out there and they make it happen. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. This is all we're getting from the British boxing press. So, yeah. I mean, 
ha- they are so complicit in the sports washing sort of side of this whole story yeah. that it's it's getting quite embarrassing, I think, yeah. now watching and listening. I mean, even people like Richie Woodall, mate, were going, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's lovely. They're treating me lovely out here. Yeah. You yeah. know, I've got, once I heard Richie saying that, oh, well, no. Mate, that's blatantly going to be us in 20 years or <laughs> however long it's like, come Hopefully. on, mate, it's just the way it works. <laughs> Well, it probably is, but while we're doing this here, we can call that shit out, mate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we will do, and we will be judgmental about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're not we're not hypocritical just yet. Right. No, I, I agree with you on this one. And, uh, you know, I guess whilst all the big boxing events take place in Saudi, they keep having their, you know, their, their nice ringside seats, their nice dinners, lunches, all of that stuff. Got nothing negative to say about the place, really mate. Not. <laughs> you know, they don't do premier inns over in Saudi, apparently. No, gosh. Oh, well, that's, I mean, yeah. Well, no, I like a premier inn. Don't know what your views on that are, Joe. No, well, I mean, they're decent. I like a premier inn. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right, let's jump to our end of year I Like Boxing 2023 awards. And we'll start off with the fighter of 2023. Joel, I'll let you dive in there first. So I couldn't split Naira Nui and Devin Haney. Right. Um, Both of them had similar resumes for the year. So Devin Haney defended his undisputed title at lightweight against Vasily Lomachenko and beat him on points. Then he moved up to light welter and absolutely destroyed Regis Progre. In Nui moved up to Super Bantam this year after being the Bantam undisputed champion down at Bantam mm. um, and he unified well he he beat Stephen Fulton and then unified the titles with Tapales just just last week yeah both of them great wins both wins for Devin Haney were great I couldn't split it so Joe I'm just throwing it over to you yeah I'm gonna go with uh, Naya Anue I just think his achievements in becoming uh two-way undisputed in the same year were you know really standout achievement to me. I can see why a lot of people might not necessarily have gone for him. For example, you know, he was, you know, a fairly big favourite in the Stephen Fulton fight, but that was a magnificent performance. Absolutely destroyed him in that fight. And I picked Stephen Fulton in that one. That was one of of my worst picks of 2023. And then obviously he was a massive favourite against Tapales. Again, more or less won every round in that fight before winning. But I... The reason I'm going for Inoue is very rarely do you see a fighter who, over the course of his career, similar to Pacquiao at his peak, just almost dominates and beats the you know the best available opposition, barely loses a minute of a round. And his all-round ability, he's just got everything. He's such an unbelievably gifted fighter in every respect. And of course, he's got the one thing that, you know, excites fans, you know, that outrageous, destructive knockout power. And he's such a spiteful, hurtful fighter as well. So I just think Inoue has to take it for me. The the, the Haney one was an interesting one. I gave some thought to him. But for me, I think it's it's a slight blot on his year, the fact that the Lomachenko fight really could have gone either way I know I I thought Loma deserved to win that fight just about you thought that Haney had had done enough to win that one I think the fact that there was such a 
a bit quite a controversy around it, I guess, and a bit of uproar takes a bit of the shine off it for me. One thing I will say though was that Haney's victory over Progray was was unbelievable. I mean, he really destroyed an outstanding fighter in that fight. So I will give him huge credit for doing that and maybe the move up in weight has will benefit him and maybe prior to him being in the lower weight class that hindered him but I think history is going to look back on that Lomachenko fight very kindly I I can see why you'd say that absolutely yeah I can see why you'd say that but I I understand your point with it I do understand your point with it yeah anyway I'm happy with that Inoue fighter of the year yeah no Inoue fighter of the year and you know, probably could have won it last year as well. But uh, who did we go from last year? Can't remember. Probably a new A. <laughs> no, it wasn't a new A. <laughs> last year, it was, was I think we, it was between Bam Rodriguez and someone else. It was between Bam and someone else. Wasn't I it? know who it was. It was Dimitri Bivol. That was who. We went right. For. Yeah. Oh, because he he had his two wins, didn't he? Beat Canelo. Yeah. And then yeah. Yeah. Beat, yeah. Right. Anyway, fight of the year. Um, Joel, who have you got for this? Fight of the year. I went for Jamie Mungia against Sergei Derevanchenko. Right. And there's a few bits. First, it was sort of upcoming against your old sort of war horse of the division. Yeah. Also, it started off brilliantly. Um, the first round, the bell goes and Derevanchenko just charges at Mungia. Yeah. And it didn't stop like that for the whole 12 yeah. rounds of the fight. Also, there was massive swings in action. Derevanchenko sort of got the better of the action early. Gear came on strong second half of the fight. And then the last round was possibly the best round of the fight. There was a knockdown for Mungia. So Derevanchenko went down. Yeah. So that was a 10-8 round and that won the fight for Mungia. So yeah. it kept the suspense right the way through. And then the big finish to the fight actually swung the fight as well. Yeah. So for me, it was a big fight. It was a title fight. It was, it was, it sort of had a bit of everything in it. So I, I went for that. Yeah, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, Go with with your pick on this one, but uh, just a couple of others that I uh, want to mention. Anthony Yard against uh, Arthur Betterbeev, I thought was a, a brilliant, brilliant fight. More so, I think, for the fact that Anthony Yard really, he you know, he pulled a he pulled a performance out that I didn't think he had in him, and he and he hurt Betterbeev in that fight. But when we were discussing it earlier, I think you were right. At no stage in that fight did I really think that Anthony Yard was on top. You know, to make it a sort of ultra competitive fight I mean it was very competitive but you always felt that better beer was in control but as far as action goes it was it was brilliant and you had two guys who you know hit hard as well now that was my number two I decided between those two I re-watched the fights last yeah. night to decide between the two and yeah as you say I just thought it wasn't quite competitive enough a, a fight I just want to mention as well not because it was a classic fight but I think we have to uh, mentioned the uh, Terence Crawford uh, Errol Spence fight I mean that was obviously a fight that oh, probably of all the fights last year that was the one I was most looking forward to and it was more you know the performance that Terence Crawford put in you, you in it's a way performance of the year wasn't performance it? of the year yeah. in, in one of the the fight, you know, the biggest fights of the year and it was it was almost spellbinding watching it it was like Jesus Christ this guy's I mean, he is something else. Mm. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so we'll go with uh, Derevchenko Mungir then for fight of the year. Right, let's jump on to the next uh, award, knockout of the year. 
Who are you going for, Joel? So I am going for Jericho O'Quinn's stunning fifth-round knockout over Peter McGraw a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. This was an entirely unfancied opponent in Jericho Quinn who was going in there to make up the numbers. It certainly looked like that for sort of about five, four and a half completed rounds or four and three quarter completed rounds where McGrail had been just showing astonishing boxing skill and poise for those few rounds. Um, He had O'Quinn down in the second and the fourth round. He, it it was just about a matter of when he would finish the fight and how spectacular it was going to be. And then out of absolutely nowhere, Jerico O'Quinn landed this right hand off of the ropes, a counter right hand that just knocked McGrail spark out, Mm. threw him under the bottom rope, almost hanging (laughs) out of the ring. It was quite a stunning sight. It came out of nowhere. It was, it was an upset win. It just had sort of everything that I would kind of want in a knockout. So for me, it was it was by a country mile. The winner of this one is Jerika Ogrim. Yeah, uh, I, I will, I'll, again, I'll, I'll I'll kind of agree with you on that one. Although I want to give a mention to probably the one of the knockouts that I found most shocking: the Joe Joyce, uh, his second fight against uh, Zhili Zhang. Although he obviously was stopped in the first fight, it was it was due to the accumulation of damage. Joe Joyce really had that aura of is some a fighter that you can't really knock out or stop. He's just got this ridiculous chin. Anyway, Zhili Zhang sort of put paid to that notion in the second fight when he swept in that stunning right hook that just had Joe falling face first on the canvas. And actually, he somehow managed to get up at the, not not before the count of ten, but he started to get up at ten. It was I think it was just the shock of it of it all. It was like. Jesus, like, you know, Shaylee Zhang's a serious fighter if he can do that to Joe Joyce. But yeah, I, I'll go with the Jericho Quinn and his, uh, because it was a big upset. It was, it was unexpected. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was more of a vicious knockout as well. I mean, Peter McGrail was, was, uh, what's that? He was, it was in a the shadow realm, out. wasn't he? Yeah, it was, it was that thing. It was, it was that whole thing where it was a lights out knockout. That's, yeah. uh, yeah. So there we go, uh, knockout of the year, Jericho Quinn. Uh, right, let's jump to our prospect of the year. And uh, this was a very difficult one to pick, really. Because <laughs> there aren't many prospects that we could go for. <laughs> well, there hasn't been many standouts this year. And the thing is, as I say, because we're sort of all, all these prospects at the moment, they're not fighting very much, so we're not seeing them very much. Yeah. I, I couldn't really think of a prospect of the year. I was sort of thinking, well, Adam Azim, even though he's been out for quite a bit of the year, yeah. but we gave it to him last year. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, if you're prospect of the year, you're thinking about him as a prospect of the year again. Well, he's probably not in a spectacular year then, has he? No, no. I mean, I wouldn't say he... This is the sort of, I was, you know, would really like to have gone with someone else. But as far as prospects go, if you, I mean, if let's be honest, if you're asking us who we consider the biggest prospect in boxing, it's still going to be Adam Azim. Mm. So, and, you know, he yeah. has fought this year more than once. He's still won. He's, I mean, you could maybe throw someone like Ben Whitaker into the mix, but he, I just, I'm no. not really warm to him enough, and I don't think he's stepped up. He hasn't stepped up yeah. enough in opposition. Yet. He hasn't had an interesting year. No, you know, exactly. at least I mean, Vadim Azim, he's won a European title. Yeah, 
Exactly. So I think we've probably just got to slightly reluctantly go with him again, but, you know, there's no shame in that. And uh, we encourage uh, all young fighters out there to step up their game. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, we'll just call it the Adam Azim of the year. (laughs) Adam, you win your Adam Award again. Exactly. Right, British Fighter of the Year. I think we're in agreement with this, although I think there's one fighter who I'm going to mention who might surprise you. Who are we going for, Joel? Uh, we went for Lee Wood in the end, didn't we? Not Katie Taylor. Not Katie Taylor. <laughs> Britain's own. <laughs> yeah. And you say I'm stupid. <laughs> well, I kind of go because when they when when <coughs> where I've sort of applied for jobs recently, it always says British Dash Irish. So I kind of just figured it in, isn't it? Okay. That's all right. But yeah, I guess she's European fight. Hey, we're doing one, our European fighter of the year this year, <laughs> actually. We just decided. And we're going for Katie Taylor. Had a remarkable turnaround. Who lost to Chantelle Cameron and then came back and beat her in in quite a remarkable second fight, which was an incredible performance. So, well done, our European fighter of the year. Back Katie to the Taylor. British fighter of the year. <laughs> We won't mention your faux pas already. (laughs) Right, British Fighter of the Year. We have gone for Leeward. He started 2023 badly, suffered a uh, vicious knockout loss to Maurizio Lara. And that was a fight in which Ben Davison, uh, you know, looking back on it now, made the correct decision to pull him out of that one when he got back up on very unsteady legs. That was a fantastic stoppage. Oh, yeah. He got so much uh, stick at the time. Remember Tony Bellew? Yeah. Really went for him, didn't he? Lo- yeah. Loads of people did. Yeah. Guy saved the man's career. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Definitely. Had the rematch with Maurizio Lara, won that one very convincingly on points. Or, you know, let's not, there's no need to discuss the sort of weight issues Lara had. Look, bottom line is he won that fight clearly and comfortably. And then he caught, of course, he took on uh, Josh Warrington later on in the year and was, he- I mean, I say heavily down. He was certainly losing that fight. I, I had him more or less losing every round of that fight and was convinced he was going to get knocked out. He was taking a lot of punishment. And then he did a, he did a Lee Wood. He hits incredibly hard and he hit Josh Warrington incredibly hard. And five or five or six punch sequence later, the fight was done. Um, an outstanding comeback from from Lee, Lee Wood. One of the things that makes him such a marketable and exciting fighter is his ability to be in these wars and come up with the equaliser, and he did it again. You have to give him the award, I think, because of how badly the year started, getting that revenge victory, and then... Going into another tough fight against a, a really, you know, a, a world-class fighter in Josh Warrington, suffering and then somehow being able to put it out of the bag. I mean, who else can you give it to? Well, it's a good example to other fighters as well in terms of a, a loss isn't the end, you know. Same yeah. year, for God's sake. He's lost and in the same year we're giving him fighter of the year. Yeah. You know, Katie gets her Irish fighter of the year, European fighter of the year. She had a loss, you know what I mean? It's yeah. A, it's, losses ain't no big thing. No, exactly. The the one fighter who I actually thought might uh, deserve a shout for this one is uh, Joe Cordina. We, I remember watching the uh, the Rakamov fight at the uh, early at the start of the year, 
and was so impressed with that performance because it was a it was an incredibly high level fight against an you know an outstandingly good opponent and a, in a fight where he was hurt at one point but I thought he he won it fairly convincingly got that on a split decision and then of course he fought uh, Ed, Edward Vasquez uh, later on in, in November not not a particularly good performance but again it was a fight in which he he did enough I think the reason I'm mentioning him is because a I don't think a lot of people would necessarily go for him but you know he did fight against certainly in Rakimov really high level opposition and I like him as a fighter, I think he's got that mix of great skills but great guts. He's got that X factor yeah, about him. He, he can he gets into fights sometimes he doesn't need to because I think he wants to entertain and give f- fans value for money, which is something I appreciate. So yeah, I gotta I'm just gonna give him a mention, but you know, he was never re- obviously in in running for for that. But I think he deserves his props. He's had a good couple of years and Long may it continue. Right, domestic dust-up of the year. Joel, who are we going for? We're going for um, our man Lee Wood uh, against Josh Warrington. Yes. It was a cracking fight. Brilliant fight. You've just reviewed it, though. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Basically got battered for most of that fight and then just pulled it back out. No, it's just real swings, though, isn't it? Swings and roundabouts. Yeah, um, yeah, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. British fight. There's a few sort of dom- big domestic dust ups this year, though, that at least happened. You know, we had the uh, Smith Uga, yeah, Junior. exactly. Yeah. You know, which was it was big, two big events, wouldn't they? Yeah, I just think very briefly on the subject of the Wood Warrington fight as well. I think one thing that made that fight stand out was it was how surprising it was to see Lee Wood very much dominated in that fight, and I didn't see that coming at all. And I, you know, I did say I remember saying in the podcast afterward, I need to apologise to Josh Warrington because I, I didn't think it would be a tough fight for Leeward, but it was an unbelievably tough fight. It's a sort of fight where you know if they had the rematch, you, you'd have to. It would be a really close one to call. Can Leeward keep pulling you know these sort of victories out of the bag? You know, I think that was a fight where he was really outclassed until he just landed the haymaker. Yeah, it's the thing with Wood, though, isn't it? He's always got, he can get out of the, he can get out of trouble yeah. with that. And he's done it so many times. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, our last award is the uh, Kinahan of the Year. That which brings shame on boxing. Who, who, or what, or how many of them have bought undeniable shame on boxing consistently throughout the year? There's only going to be one winner for this, Joel. Who no is one's, it? No one's going to be surprised. It's the Fury family as a whole. Yes. They've been enough to disgrace to the sport this year. They have, yes. They have gambled both Tommy and Tyson Fury, probably at the behest of their father, John, yeah. have gambled with the sport's reputation, yeah. and both of them have lost... None of them seem to care. Yeah. They're in it for themselves, as, you know, most families are, don't get me wrong. Mm. Um, but they're having, I think now, and, and I think, well, you certainly do, yeah. as a whole, these guys are having a terrible impact on on the sport we love now. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. So let's look at it, you know, in a bit more detail. Let's start off with uh, Tommy. He had two fights this year. He had the Jake Paul fight, a fight in which we, you know, we we had him heavily favoured to win. Didn't fight particularly well in that fight. Got knocked down in the last round. Won it, won it on a split decision. And then he fought later on in the year against um, 
KSI. KSI, yeah. Again, a fight where we thought KSI has no chance. And I had, was, I had KSI win him. Uh, yeah. Just, I didn't win Tommy him. Fury was terrible in that fight. Still a supposed thought. professional boxer getting sort of troubled consistently by a YouTuber fighter. But KSI landed all of the clean punches. He was forcing the fight. Yeah. It, I mean, this was super embarrassing. And it, but it was a terrible fight as well. Oh, such a horrific. bad fight. It was just... Because KSI know, can't fight. You no, know, exactly. He just, he just could not fight. And, and he didn't look like a boxer. He, he looked like a kid just swinging his arms. Yeah. When he was swinging his arms, which yeah. he, he sort of stopped after a couple of rounds. Mm. Oh, the whole thing, the whole debacle. It was just a debacle. The whole show, actually. Do you remember the the whole show was terrible? You had his... You had the other Paul brother. Yeah, you had Logan Paul against, against Dylan Dennis, which oh, is even God. worse. That was that was probably about as, as bad a fight as you can get. I, I can't see how you can get a worse fight than that. Neither of them flipped through any punches. They yeah. just hugged the whole fight. Yeah. It was like the whole thing. I mean, that is where the influence of boxing, it came to a head that night, really, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was, it, was, um, it was poor. But Tommy Fury played a, a huge part a in this whole influence uh, of course. thing. Of course invading you know the sport and uh, bringing such shame on the sport and then we have to go to you know talk about his uh well before we talk about his big brother let's talk about his his, his dad well john i'll just fury, let you talk about john mate is yeah <laughs> there are so many instances of john fury being you know a mentally ill awful role model to you know anyone young anyone old really He's, I mean, like I say, you see the state of Tyson Fury and it, you just need to look at his dad and you go, okay, it all makes sense why your son is such a fuck up, basically. Well, he couldn't control himself in the press conferences in particular this year, could he? So uh, both the Tommy Fury, the KSI one. Thing. Yeah, exactly. The trying to make it's, not, yeah. it's not my son's taking the limelight. I'm well, the one who created them, therefore I'm the... But that's what he does all the time, isn't yeah. it? He says, like, he, he comes says, oh, out and he just goes, oh, champion of the world. He goes, born of John Fury. I know. You know, and it's all about him. It is really strange, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he's continuing to prove his manhood yeah. around everyone. Oh, he's so mentally ill, it's unreal. This, I mean, he really does need to be in a hospital, locked, padded rooms, locked up, because he is... Off his rocker. Mate, he was starting on Mike Tyson at that press conference for the Ngannou fight. He was literally starting on Mike Tyson. And Tyson was just like, just calm down. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Just yeah. like, what you're doing? Haven't <laughs> you seen what Mike Tyson does to people on a plane? You annoy him. <laughs> I mean, Might get a good bit of money out of him. That would be a fight. I'd love to want Mike Tyson jump you. <laughs> that would be a fun one. That for however long one. it would last, mate. Like... <laughs> And then, and then obviously we've got to talk about Tyson Fury, who, as you as you said, gambled with the sport's credibility yeah. and lost badly. But first off, he didn't even gamble, did he? So first off, he didn't, didn't fight. actually fight. Shocking. He didn't fight. He didn't defend his heavyweight belt for yeah. the full calendar year, yeah. which is unforgivable for starters. He wasn't injured. Mm. At no point is this year has he said, oh, I'm injured. Mm. He's just negotiated himself out of fight after fight after fight mm. until he got the one that he wanted, which was the Ngannou fight. And, well, how did that turn out? Yeah, not very well. No, so <laughs> he's gone in there in that fight. He obviously didn't take it seriously. He's He'd set up the Usyk fight for December 23rd. Yeah. So I think that really in his head, it seems that he was thinking of the Ngannou fight as just part of his camp yeah. for the Usyk fight. Yeah. Which was very, well, it's just, it's 
the arrogance shows the it's arrogance. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. arrogant going into a fight like that, like this. Because Ngannou, he is serious. You know, he is a proper athlete. He's yeah. a proper fighting man at the yeah. peak of his powers. Yeah. And he's a huge bloke. And he's gone in there and the guy just boxed halfway competently. Yeah. That's what I'll say. On the night, I was so impressed with yeah. Ngannou because I was, I was expecting so much worse. Yeah. Having gone back and watched again, he didn't do anything special. Yeah. He's just a very big, very strong man. I think he probably hits extremely hard. Oh, probably does hit like a mule. But yeah. other than that, it's not all that much, mate. Yeah. You know, it's something that Tyson Fury, champion of the world, should be dealing with. Yeah. And he it, it's only his fault that he didn't deal with him. In a rematch, he would stand him on his head. Yeah, and what, what was funny as well was that the performance was so bad that when it went to the scorecards, there was a genuine fear between me and you. We were like, Gee, there's a really good chance he's lost this. No. And if he loses this, what happens to the Usyk fight? I, I mean, the, the, can you what imagine all these boxing? MMA guys just would be taking yeah. the absolute piss out of boxing as a sport? And yeah, I think the Usyk fight would have been the last of our worries. Like, it would have yeah. been exactly, it would have been that we boxing would have lost its soul to MMA. But in a way, to be honest, I think it has. Mm, yeah. As well. But I do think like, he lost that event. Yeah, definitely. And people went away thinking that boxing is lessened as a sport yeah. and that MMA has now been been sort of boosted as a sport. I mean, MMA does a lot of things right in comparison. You know, when you look at UFC, I mean, you know, they have one champion in each weight class. They really do have the best fighters fighting. That's why their records are always like, you know, one, 12, lost four, lost five. But that's what you want to see is the best fighting the best. Yeah, I mean, boxing can learn a lot from it. It won't know. It's so fractured. No. It's unreal. And the fractures are so deep-rooted. No, it can't. The only thing that can happen would be something like the Saudis yeah. go and just pour crazy, crazy, crazy money into it yeah. and do somehow manage to sort of get Sort everything. it out. Yeah. But I no one's... Know. I mean, they even they're all that much. stupid. No, yeah, I mean, exactly. Not even they've got that much money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, no, the, the Fury family will worthy recipients of the Kinnan of the year. Just very quickly, it's not an award as such, but what's your... Have you got any um, hopes for 2024? I know I do. <laughs> I've got one in particular. <laughs> um, my hopes and dreams in the sport of in boxing sport of for 2024. Some, you know, something or a fight to be made or just something that you'd love to see happen. You go with yours and I'll have a think, mate. Well, I think... I. You know, I think the Ngannou fight has now convinced me, although I, although I thought the Fury-Usyk fight was 50-50, I'm convinced Usyk's going to win that fight, and I think it's going to be great for the sport. I think mean, it's time he got rid of Fury and his influence and the shenanigans that that family brings with it. I, I, and I think Usyk's the man for the job as a serious fighter, a great fighter, and hopefully... Fury will continue to wind him up and will pay dearly. Well, I can just see it, really can see it happening because eventually the chickens come home to roost. You can't keep taking the piss and mugging people or not taking it seriously. You're going to run into a fighter like Usyk, who is brilliant, who is professional, who is highly motivated. And, you know, he may do, I can see it be, I can potentially see it being a similar thing to what like Barrera did to Naz. Someone who hasn't been taking the sport seriously, their natural talent's been letting them get away with it for a couple of years. And then 
you fight someone who is actually a really, really bloody good fighter who, you know, takes it seriously and you get embarrassed. Mm. I can see that happening and I'd love to see it happen as well. I wouldn't mind Shut seeing that happening <laughs> at all. That would be fun. Okay, so my answer to that is going to be, I would like to see AJ against Francis Ngannou. Yeah, that would be, that's a, you know, that's so, an interesting one. That's what I would like to see for 2024 because I think AJ would take the fight seriously. Yeah. And not only would he stand and garner on his head, but he yeah. would knock him out viciously as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what boxing needs after what happened. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, would it be funny if 2024 ended with AJ champion? Let's say yeah. Usyk wins that fight, AJ beats Ngannou, sets up an end-of-year fight against Usyk. Oh, you know. Yeah, no, could happen. Could mate. happen. Could happen. And, and then, you, you know, Dave, uh, Joshua under Davison takes a, a different, you know, takes the seek and destroy approach in, really goes for it, and then and and maybe lays Usyk out or beats him convincingly in points. I don't know. Just would be, it just goes to show, you know, that nothing's set in stone. Things can change. Absolutely. And I'm looking forward to it already. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, there we go. That's our first one for 2024. We hope you've enjoyed this one. Joel, any final words? Uh, love you all and Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year indeed. And on that note, goodbye. <laughs>